Hi everyone, I'm Greg Lambert, and this is the In Seclusion podcast miniseries. No American city has been hit by the coronavirus pandemic more than New York City. While the effects have been devastating, in typical New Yorker fashion, today's guests rolled out their business continuity plan and kept serving their institute's members. And as we look forward to the next phase of dealing with the pandemic, they have a plan for that too. Well, first of all, I want to thank uh, both of you for taking some time uh, today to talk with me. You're very welcome. Lucy Kersey-Gonzalez is the Executive Director, and Emily Moog is the Research Librarian for the New York Law Institute. So, uh, Lucy, would you mind just, uh, for those of us that are outside of the Northeastern Corridor, can you describe uh, the New York Law Institute and its overall mission? Yeah, the New York Law Institute is a very uh, interesting organization. We were founded in 1828 as a private law library for uh, lawyers and practitioners in what was then Manhattan, New York City. Uh, Over those nearly 200 years, uh, we have become the third oldest membership law library in the country and the only uh, circulating law library in New York City. And our mission is very interesting. We really have a nationwide scope now. Uh, law firms, practitioners become members at Nile, and we really provide a cost-effective uh, way for our members to access a wealth of electronic resources and traditional library services. Uh, membership includes over 160,000 ebooks that you can access 24/7, whole suite of uh, databases that you can access from your desktop, and also access to our reference librarians. Emily is one of them, who can do research uh, in other in, in other databases. So we really do view ourselves as a legacy library offering cutting edge services. Obviously, New York was the biggest hotspot, at least in the U.S., if if not the world, especially over the past couple of months. So I know that this pandemic has had a major effect on on the city. How did the pandemic and the shelter-in-place requirements change that mission of your institution, and how did it affect your staff needed to perform these tasks? Emily? Well, the mission is the same. It's providing legal business research to our members with cost-effective means. We leaned heavily. We have a lot of electronic materials. So anything we could get from the databases, Westlaw, Lexis, Bloomberg, CCH, Cheetah, OED, LLMC, ProQuest, Congressional, Hind, Oxford Academic. If there was an open courthouse available, our OCLC partners, we went for it. So the mission stayed the same, but we had to, we couldn't rely on anything that's only physically at the library. Ebook loans continued. Any books that were out, we didn't collect overdue fines, obviously. And like Lucy, Lucy mentioned, you know, the over 160,000 ebooks, it includes a lot of Lexus titles, ABA publications, and one of our most popular sets, the nutshells. Some of the databases like ProQuest, Congressional, members themselves can access that through our website. Mm -hmm. And LLMC, which has a lot of federal, state, and international materials, members can also access through their website, or they can ask us. Um, And the smaller firms, limited by a licensing agreement, also have access to Hine Online, but we also have access to that. That said... Eventually, and the members know this from their own, you you do hit a brick wall. 
Uh, there are some things that we have to be honest about that are at our physical location, things like fiche and film for the older New York law journals and some records and briefs that aren't online. But the positive side of that is as these firms um, experience working from home and they rely on electronic when they eventually come back, I think it's going to accelerate decisions about their own print and about their own historical collections. And one of the things they'll realize is that the law, they can lean heavily on us for those things when they, as they shrink their real estate footprint and, and shrink their print collection. Right. So um, I know that you have a small staff. I think you already had one person who was working remotely. And then obviously it became where I'm, I imagine everyone is yes. working remotely. Were your people set up to, to do that? Did you have any issues doing your business continuity with people not a- actually being physically in, in your library? I'll, I'll take that one. We were really, I want to say that we were lucky, and I don't know why we were so prescient. At the end of last year, we finished a new business continuity plan. Huh? And we actually, had, we actually had a, um, a new document. Remember that um, we're very close to the World Trade Center. We are very close to uh, Sandy. Mm-hmm. So uh, that plan had been pretty good for up, to, up through 2012 for that kind of situation. And I do not know why, but we added a, a larger pandemic section. Hmm. And I can remember standing at the <laughs> desk and saying, I'm planning for the worst, but hoping for the best, we got the worst. The other thing that that, that did help us, and perhaps because we are uh, are small, uh, this time last year we started upgrading our staff uh, laptops, and mm. everyone had a new laptop on a VPN. Most everything was in the cloud. So the day that we pulled the plug and people took their laptops home, we had already done a dry run. People knew that their equipment worked at home and were used to used to that concept, and that helped tremendously. So I guess the lesson there is uh, planning. Yeah, prepare for the worst, hope for the best, the but best. but mostly plan for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my my father uh, probably got this from the Army Air Corps. Prior planning prevents poor performance. <laughs> yes, there's there's uh, another way to say that that's a little, <laughs> that it's not as clean. So I'm glad you, <laughs> glad you cleaned that one up. <laughs> so over the past, I, I imagine we're we're at least at seven weeks. Uh, when did you guys shut down? Was it around March? 13th? Uh, my last day in the office was the 16th, so around the 16th, the 16th yeah. or 17th, which was a Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. And has business been pretty good? Have you had an, a continuation of people uh, asking for resources? Yes. Um, and interestingly, some some members who really didn't use the ebooks were asking for passwords for ebooks. <laughs> I, I, we've had ebooks for a while, but um, now that all of their attorneys are home and they're home, they're kind of discovering that part of our collection, which is really great because once they form these habits, once you get used to it, um, they're going to be return, returning to their nutshells and the ABA and Lexus and all of those things. So that's that's a positive. Yeah, it almost seems like we've we've spent the past 12 years or so Preparing, preparing for this, for unknowing, this. Un- unknowingly. <laughs> Mostly it's been, I think, uh, using things electronically and, and being able to initially 
get things remotely, but I don't think very many of us, except for maybe Lucy, were prepared to for everyone to uh, access it uh, remotely. So, uh, oh, you know, you're you're quite uh, the uh, Nostradamus, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I've got to give my IT director, uh, Alyssa Valente, um, credit for uh, pushing me to make that decision, and I'm glad I did. Good. So. One of the the primary reasons I wanted to get you guys on this week is because even though we're still we still feel like we're right in the middle of it, uh, uh, Lucy once again has uh, started preparing for for the next phase, and you guys came out with a seven step process uh, that you're looking at for uh, eventually the gradual re- reopening of the doors at uh, Niley. Uh, Emily, do you mind walking me through? Uh, the seven steps that you have? Sure. Um, And one of the things, just as an opening, uh, we've been having weekly meetings. And this was something that we kind of discussed first, because whatever we decide, all of us are going to have to, you know, um, work with these new parameters. So it came out of initially a discussion and also looking at a lot of the websites that are out there. So this is something that everybody at Niley talked about and discussed and debated uh, before we came up with these things. One of the first things we thought about is the six feet distancing and those rules probably still being in place, that we would have a a minimal number of people in the physical space. So only one reference librarian at 120 Broadway and the other reference librarian still working from home. Mm. And uh, one of us would be there two days, the other person three days, and then the next week, three days for the rotating. So that keeps it at a minimal. And uh, the other staff, those that can work from, continue working from home should continue working from home. Um, so there's a minimal of probably two people in our office. And one of the things we're lucky with is that it is a big office. I was wondering. And that uh, one person could be at the front desk and the other person could be in their office. So that that was a real advantage. So that was the first thing we had to think about, who was coming in, how many people coming in. Right. The next step would be everything that we've been hearing about, how to conduct our own lives under this pandemic, and that's preventing the virus from spreading and hygiene, all of those basic things we've been hearing about. Uh, so we, we'll have, we bought Purell before we started working from home, and it's at the front desk and in the pantry area. We've purchased masks to have at the front desk. We were always open to members, but for the initial first few weeks, of course, everything's uncertain. We won't be. The doors will be shut. And uh, one of our one of our uh, person on staff, Phoebe, suggested putting the trucks out in the foyer for the one marked UPS and one marked U.S. Postal Office, and they can just drop them off there. Okay. You know, they're concerned about distancing too. Yeah. So I don't think any of these things will be an issue for them. Yeah. Um, things like the library staff should really bring their lunch rather than having to go out for lunch. We shouldn't use the communal table because we used to all eat together. I don't think we'll be doing that for a while. <laughs> so many and, things to think about. <laughs> yeah. And the, the book loans will have to put off until we can feel safe about that. And then, you know, things that we've been told to do during this month and a half, you know, think about if you have symptoms, have a thermometer handy, be aware of things so that if you don't feel well, 
don't feel like you have to come in. Um, And and that's kind of a a basic thing. Um, And then we kind of have to go with where this goes and we don't know where it's going. Nobody does. So um, access to patrons, that'll be something that we'll have to phase in. um, And we'll have to determine when we can open the doors for people that want to come in and read the law journal. Right. Those kind of things we just have to, it's like a wait and see, but even in the pantry area where we have a refrigerator and the coffee machines, you know, there only should be one person in there at a time. And some of the basic things when the cleaning staff from the building come in, we should vacate the area. Mm. Um, those are all things that we've kind of thought through. And one of the things emotionally or psychologically that's healthy is that now you've pictured in your mind And you kind of get used to the idea, you know, so it doesn't seem so foreign or frightening. You've thought about it now for a few weeks and you know that when I go back to 120, this is what I'll have to do. And it's kind of a way of kind of preparing you for that change so that it isn't um, as harsh to you. One of the things is with our mail, one of the things we did when everybody started working from home is all of the mail went to Lucy's personal address. So when we are back in the office, the mail will have to be switched over to us and the publishers with all the shipping of the updates and the filings, we put a hold on that because we didn't want it piling up outside our door. We'll then tell them, release it and we're going to get a ton of stuff. So Lucy, are you going to have to get a U-Haul to go from Queens down to lower Manhattan? (laughs) (laughs) New Jersey. New Jersey. Uh, Jersey. Uh, I've been, uh, yes, perhaps. (laughs) I don't know what she's going to do. She's going to have a wheelbarrow. I don't know what she's doing. (laughs) I'm debating whether I'm going to drive. I'm just uh, imagining you with an armful of books trying to get on the subway to come in. (laughs) So th- those are the seven things I've kind of hopped around a lot. Um, yeah. But I think that the biggest help with this was that everybody discussed it first and we all yeah. talked about it. And then when we wrote it, we wrote it together and then some people debated issues. But then, like I said, it's something that we all kind of, we're all going to have to live under this new regime for I don't know how long or how things will go, but we've all kind of, you know, participated in that decision. And now we've all been thinking about it for a few weeks. So when we do have to do it, it's not a shock. And I I think that's important. Yeah, that was part of my motivation in making it a team effort. It really, I think, has helped us that building on the model that we were somewhat prepared the day that we closed the doors, uh, that we knew what to do. And having a plan means we can adopt or adapt the plan. But at least, as Emily said, we're familiar with going in the first day. Right. Good. And, I, Good. and I think that's big. And, and part of the advantage, again, is that we're small. I've shared this plan with the landlord. And the feedback that I've gotten so far is to thank me and that they will actually be asking other tenants. We're in a 40-story office building. Yeah that they will be asking other tenants, and some of them are much bigger for their plan. So we may have to change this depending on what the landlord has, but at least I've got a plan to begin with. Yeah, I know uh, we we are doing the same thing with uh, with our offices. I'm in a 25-story building in, in Houston, and the the one thing that most of us hadn't thought about until we started talking about going in was we can't all just jump in the elevator and go up to our floor. 
right? That, that yeah. was actually the question, the one unanswered question that the staff have that I popped off an email to the landlord and don't have an answer yet. Yeah, yeah, because we're we're imagining up, you know, up to 30, 45 minute delay just getting up to the floor because you're gonna have to send people, you know, one or one or two at a time mm-hmm. uh, to keep the social distancing. So it's gonna going, going to be interesting as we move in into the next phase. Well, right. Lucy and Emily, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, I hope everyone one is safe and that uh, you're able to get back to work safely as well. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Thanks again to Lucy Kersey Gonzalez and Emily Moog for joining me today. Remember, we may all be in seclusion, but we're in this together. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Glambert. In Seclusion is produced by Janice Anderson. The music is from Jerry David DeSica. I'll see you on Monday. <laughs>